This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, October 17, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in Montana. Parker, Sarah, Taylor, all working from back in Connecticut. Uh, did you guys watch the games last night? How about those first inning fireworks on both sides? Taylor? Man, kind of, I mean, it, it's so fun to see the crowds just lose their minds, but I'd like a little more drama late inning, honestly. Well, there was drama. A little. A little. I mean, Evaldi having to pitch through those jams, the Phillies, you know, gradually, I give the Diamondbacks credit. Sarah, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, the Diamondbacks coming up off the mat. I'm sure you as a lifelong Phillies fan, you probably were a little bit nervous as that played out. Oh yeah, I was nervous. Also, my dad, the huge Dodgers fan, has now become a lifelong Diamondbacks fan as of yesterday, just to kind of like, you know, spite me. (laughs) So I was very nervous yesterday. (laughs) Now, was he being loud and obnoxious? No, I think what it was was my lovely comment that was like, man, it's so tough having a, a team still in it this late. Like my stress wow. level was really high. <laughs> and uh he didn't take to that kindly. <laughs> well, were you goosing on that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, after the game was over, I was at peace, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally taunting him. Uh and Parker, your favorite team, the Marlins made that move yesterday. We're going to talk about that with Kim Ang. What was your first initial thought when you heard about them basically telling Kim Ang, yeah, sorry, uh, nice job this year, but we got to bring somebody in to oversee your department. What'd you think? Uh, It seems like the Marlins have been the same way my entire life. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's true. They absolutely have been. All right. Last night, game one of the National League Championship Series in Philadelphia, the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, and Kyle Schwarber didn't wait to get it going. Schwarber climbs in, and we're ready to go. The pitch. Swing and a drive. Right field. Way back. And gone. Off the scoreboard and right. A Schwarbaum. No doubt about it. Kyle Schwarber, first pitch of the game with a rocket to right. one nothing Phillies, and this place has come undone. Yeah, that was Boog Shambi, the legend on ESPN Radio. You can bet. Boog probably looked over at Doug Glanville like, really? One pitch into the game, and that's what we get? Well, a couple of batters later, Bryce Harper came to the plate. Speaking of no doubters, here's Bryce Harper, the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball, drilled right center field, way back, gone! Bryce Harper, a solo homer, and the Phillies lead it 2 to nothing as he circles the bases, and they're going crazy here at the bank. Taylor, how about those beautiful setups by our man Boog on those, both those home runs? Buster, they don't call him the legend for nothing. Right, exactly. Well, that inning continued. Next offering, drilled right field. Going back is Carroll at the wall, and it's gone! Over the high wall and right, Nick Castellanos is red hot. And the Phillies lead it. It is 3-0. An oppo homer for Castellanos. We've talked about how Zach Wheeler is much more rested in this postseason than he was last year, and that paid off again through the first three innings. The 3-2. Swing and a ball popped up. Foul off third. Bohm ranging over. Foul ground. Makes the catch. Carroll is out. And the Diamondbacks go 1-2-3. Wheeler is set down nine in a row. 
That continued in the fifth. The 0-1. Swing and a ball popped up. Turner drifting out. The shortstop out of the outfield grass. Under it, and he makes the catch. And Zach Wheeler has set down 15 straight. Zach Wheeler was dominant early on. The Diamondbacks finally broke through in the top of the sixth. And the pitch. Swing and a high fly ball right field. Castellanos back near the track, near the wall, turning, looking, and it's gone. A home run for Perdomo. He just got it over the 13-foot high wall in right. And he'll circle the bases, and the Diamondbacks are on the board. It's 5-2. But in the end, the Phillies would hang on. Two strikes to count, one out. Kimbrell ready and fired. Swing and a ground ball to third. Backhanded boom to start at second one. On the first two. And that's the ball game. Five, four, three. A game ending double play. And Kimbrell closes it out. The Phillies take game one. Five, three, your final. After the game, Jesse Rogers spoke with Kyle Schwarber. All right, Kyle, take me back to the first inning. Were you surprised to get a middle-middle fastball like that? Um, you know, I mean, you're going to be ready to hit from the first pitch, but, uh, you know, also if, you know, they want to nibble or anything like that, you know, I'll work in a bat with them. But, uh, you know, he, he was trying to go away, yanked it middle, and was able to put a good swing on and put it out and uh, got the, uh, you know, got a run on the board and Harp with a big swing right after it. I don't know if you know this, but it's the most uh, postseason leadoff home runs in the history of the game. What's that feel like? <laughs> Feels pretty good, I guess, but, uh, you know, I think it'll feel better whenever it's all said and done, whenever I'm done playing baseball. You know, we're only worried about, uh, you know, only worried about trying to get a win right now and uh, trying to get the ultimate goal. You know, took took a good step today, but got to be ready to come out tomorrow. After the game, Rob Thompson, the uh, Phillies manager, talked about Nick Castellanos. He's good when he's really good. Uh, he's driving the ball to right center field, and that's what he did tonight. And, and uh, every once in a while, he'll clip something out front and, and pull it like he has the last couple of nights. So uh, he's he's on a tear right now. I just you know, knock on wood. He keeps going. Here's Bryce Harper, the Phillies' first baseman, talking about hitting a home run on his birthday. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, after the game, I was I was pumped, man. Just just being one to know. That's that's all I care. Um, you know, good opportunity to hit a homer. That was great. Um, but at the end of the day, um, if I if I hit a homer, we don't win. I mean, there, there's nothing else. So, um, just very excited that we're one to know, and um, you know, looking forward to tomorrow. On his birthday, he was presented some candles. I don't know, I, it's crazy. I just sometimes I just do stuff, and that, that felt uh, that felt right. So. Thought I'd uh, step on home plate and then do that. Um, but I just thought about it as I was running around third base. That I'd do. <laughs> What'd you think, Sarah? Rate the that celebration one to ten. I mean, I'm gonna rate all their celebrations a ten. Anything oh they gosh. do right now is a ten for me. <laughs> yeah, not a great question by me. All right, Tori Lavello, <laughs> the Diamondbacks manager, talked about Zach Gallen's rough outing. I think they just ambushed him. I think they, they came out um, ready to jump on his fastball. There's no mystery that Zach fills up the zone. He's got he's got an aggressive fastball, an aggressive mindset, and they just they just counterpunched him. Um, you know, I think the I, I don't think he was trying to throw the pitches where where they landed. I haven't had a chance to look at him, but I know when Zach gets squared up, it's usually a, uh, you know a couple inch mistake. He's that good at hitting lines when he's trying to throw pitches in certain spots. I think they just ambushed a couple of mistakes and never really got into a rhythm. You know, I felt like there were points in time that he was making pitches and it was going to start took in, start to take a Zach Gallon type of um, start to look like a Zach Gallon outing, but it, it never really happened. Um, 
and it was just a big grind for him the whole day. Here's Zach Allen. I knew they were going to be fairly aggressive. Um, fastball just caught on me a little bit. I was trying to go away. Um, just pulled it to the middle of the plate. Can't do that with Schwarber. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I kind of knew that was, was going to be the case. Just, you know, I needed to execute a little bit better. Uh, I think they were just, yeah, I mean, I think they were just ultra-aggressive, really, is what it seemed to be. Um, you know, I was just trying to get ahead. And, I mean, I know it's an aggressive lineup. You know, I think it's no secret they try to get the crowd into it as early as possible. Um, and that plays into the aggression. So, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, Schwarber and, and, you know, Bryce were just looking for fastballs and got them in, you know, locations they could handle. Game two of the National League Championship Series is tonight. That's uh, set to start at about uh, 8 o'clock on TBS. The American League Championship Series, the Rangers and the Astros, the Rangers having won game one. And in the top of the first inning, Framber Valdez was in trouble right away. Nobody out. Top of the first. Next one is a grounder. Valdez charges. He bobbles for a second, throws to first, and he threw it away. That gets into right field. Semyon is in. Seeger being held up. Fromber Valdez did not field it cleanly, and then he threw it wide of Abreu in foul territory. It's 1-0 Texas on a mistake by Valdez. That was Carl Ravage on ESPN Radio. That rally would continue. And a lefty Valdez to Garcia. Swings and sends this in a right field. That's going to bring in Seager. They will hold the runner. And it is 2-0. Another first pitch swing. RBI for Garcia. 2-0 Rangers on a liner in the right. Next one from Valdez. That's into left field. That's in front of Brantley. That's another hit and an RBI. This time it's Mitch Garver and Texas. What a start. They lead three zip. They have nobody out. And two men on against the Astros. 0-2, the lefty delivers. And this ball is through the hole between third and short. Being waved in, Garcia. Here's the throw from Brantley. It's not even close to being on time. An RBI for Nathaniel Lowe the other way. 4-0 Rangers in the top of the first. Before the Astros even had a chance to bat, Framber Valdez would not make it through the third inning. Now, Jordan Alvarez right now is on another planet with how he's swinging the bat, and that manifested early in this game. The 2-1 from Evaldi. Here it comes. That ball is hammered. No doubt about it. Jordan announces he's feeling better with a huge home run to put the Astros on the board. 4-1. to one. Nathan Evaldi on the mound for the Rangers in this game, and you could tell early on, he didn't have his plus stuff. The Astros kept threatening, and the bottom of the fifth inning, they had the bases loaded. Here's Evaldi. Evaldi delivers. 2-2, swing and a miss. He chased a curveball at 78, and a big, big out of the pinch hitter, Diaz. And the 1-2 from Evaldi. Swing and a miss. He got him. A splitter at 90 and a huge strikeout back-to-back punch-outs of Diaz and now Altuve. Next pitch on the ground. Young cuts it off. He will throw to first and Bregman's retired. Wow, what a job by Nathan Ivaldi to get out of a bases-loaded, no-out situation. Yeah, he came off the mound pumping his fist. Now the Astros kept picking away uh, at the Texas pitching. Jordan Alvarez cut the lead to one in the bottom of the eighth. They stay in that infield shift for Alvarez. And the first pitch is gone. No doubt about it. (laughs) Alvarez, second of the game. And it is a one-run game. A slider. And he was waiting for it. Jordan yanked it over the wall. 
Carl was like the outfielder who doesn't even turn around on that one, right? <laughs> like uh, where he knew it was gone. Like he's that's gone. I, I you know before he said anything else. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right, here was the final call. Jose Leclerc working through trouble. Three balls, one strike. Here it comes. Challenged him, Altuve rips it to left, not deep, and Tavares is there to make the play. The Texas Rangers survive another one and win game 2-5-4. After the game, Evaldi talked about getting out of that bases-loaded jam. Yeah, I mean, it's tough right there in that situation. Um, they pitch hit for Diaz. Um, I know he's been aggressive, and I was able to make some good pitches, make make him expand, and then, you know, obviously Altuve's had a lot of success against me in the past, and I feel like our earlier at-bats today, I was missing effectively to where it kind of set up that moment. Um, once I got him ahead, when I was ahead 1-2, and I went with the high fastball and been able to follow it up with the splitter, it was, you know, you're close, but you're not out of the woods yet because Bregman's equally as talented. And um, you know, I was able to make a good pitch right there and get us out of that jam. And I felt like that was one of the turning points of the game. Dusty Baker talked about that bases loaded rally and not being able to score. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very disappointing. I mean, but you know, the guys up there are, you know, doing their damnedest to push those runs across, you know. And, uh, you know, Evaldi. You know, made some some quality pitches after we had him in in trouble, and uh, you know, like like I said before, you know, the name of the game is RBIs, and so uh, we just didn't push those runs across. Dusty also t- also talked about that ugly first inning, that Valdez error. You know, hit that ball back to him, and he looked to third. He was going to go to third and bobbled it, and then uh, you know threw uh, wildly to first. And uh, you know, if you get it out there. Um, you know, the base was still like loaded now with nobody out versus uh, at least one out. And uh, it was just a, you know, matter of uh, bad occurrences in a short period of time. Bruce Bochy, the Rangers manager, was asked about Alvarez, who seemingly hits home run in every plate appearance these days, and asked if he considered walking Alvarez. Well, we gave up three homers. They were solo homer, homers, so that works. Uh, I, you know, that gives you a chance to win. So, no, we, we weren't thinking about putting him on base with nobody on there. And you're trying to keep him in the park, but he, he's a good hitter. You know, he, he got a couple balls there he could handle. And that's baseball. But, no, I didn't want to start putting guys on you know, when we had a lead. That's the last thing I, I want to do at that point. And, you know, we attacked him, and you know, he got us a couple of times. So today is a travel day in that series between the Astros and the Rangers. They'll pick it up again on Wednesday. And I mentioned at the top of the show, Kim Ang out as general manager of the Marlins after the Marlins proposed bringing in, this is owner Bruce Sherman, bringing in somebody to oversee baseball operations would have effectively would have been a demotion for Kim. They had a mutual option that the team did with Kim for a one-year deal, and Kim turned down her side of the mutual option uh, got a lot of thoughts about this as we move forward. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, there's a new episode of the College Game Day podcast out. Uh, Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, Bill Connolly, they all went deep on that Washington-Oregon game um, and run through the list of who they think, uh, how many contenders there are for the college football playoff right now. They're thinking it's about 11 teams deep. So check out the College Game Day podcast. You can listen wherever you're listening on this pod, this platform, or you can watch it on YouTube. Dogs are an important part of our lives and keeping them protected is a top priority, 
especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Doug Glanville is part of ESPN's radio coverage of the National League Championship Series between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies. And Doug, you were there last night in that first inning. What was that like? I mean, well, you know, the volume in Philly. I mean, I'm sure they're... Martians right now are getting headaches from the sound that seem to you know go past the uh, the atmosphere, uh, but it's it's incredible and and they talk about the the home field advantage of the Phillies and it, it's real. I mean it's so loud in there and you know you can imagine we're calling the game. We have headphones on and I can still hear them just pumping in. You have to turn the crowd noise down <laughs> because it's so loud in there. Uh, and and they, right away they they brought the crowd in with Schwarber first pitch of the of the game first pitch of you know the Phillies at bats and you know that was it that, that they're already standing up anyway <laughs> so they needed no motivation and uh, it's incredible to to really you know and even playing there and I played in Citizens Bank Park and we weren't very good but I you know I can't even fathom you know what I'm hearing right now it is it's so loud. When I get asked about the home field advantage, I, I, I say, look, I, you know, I, I, I imagine that it's in a huge adjustment if you're a young player and you haven't been in an atmosphere like that before and you're on the other team. But I feel like that the impact is more on the Phillies players themselves who would feel like it, it feels like that they try to match the energy of the fans to some degree. Like you could see the Phillies just coming out of the gate like we are coming out like we're this is like. Hagler and Hearns first round boxing match. And we were going to throw punches in that first <laughs> inning uh, with the approach. Right. I mean, with the way the lineup attacks yep. Zach Allen. Yeah. I mean, that, that was their approach and strategy. And, you know, more and more you see there's just collective strategies. You know, Zach Allen is a pitcher that likes to maneuver and set up pitches and he's thinking many pitches ahead. And, um, and it's what makes him excellent because he can adjust in game. Uh, so they didn't let him get to that. <laughs> they were like, no, 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 no. Uh, we're going to break that early on. And I think part of it is, and Schwarber said it well after the game. <clears throat> he said it really well after the game. He said, look, um, it only works because we squared it up. You know, it's a bad strategy if you roll over to second base and make quick outs. Um, so they were able to put good swings on it. 
and um, on Gallon, and that was you know absolutely key because they were already the Diamondbacks were like up against the ropes before they knew what happened, and the crowd was right away in it. So you could see the Diamondbacks took a few innings to just kind of get settled and figure out what was going on, and they did eventually. But by then the lead was just too big, and Wheeler was just so dominant. So a lot of times pitchers in, in the past, especially, uh, they would essentially come out and you know get me over fastball, get ahead in the count, that sort okay. of thing. That mentality, it feels like, especially when you're playing this Phillies team, has to go away. Like the mentality has to be almost like treat every plate appearance, even if Schwarber leads off, if you're pitching with the bases loaded and nobody out. Like that that's what the Phillies lineup seems to force you to do because of the depth and because of the quality of the hitters they have. Well, you know, part of it, yeah, if you try to throw get me over fastballs to the Philly, it just like gets you over the Ben Franklin bridge. I mean, that's where the ball ends up. I mean, they, they're so good at combining power and control. You know, that's what Schwarber does. That's what Harper does. You know, I asked Kevin Long, the Phillies hitting coach about Harper when he first like saw him, he's like violent swing, you know, violent swing. But the ability to have discipline inside of that is is incredible. And you talk to Harper, he's not up there saying, well, I was looking slider. He, he's just like, I react. You know, I'm just sort of a reaction. And he's so talented and, and so accurate with that power. Uh, and they have guys like that. You know, you know, Cassiano's really aggressive, but he crushes the ball in the zone. You know, Kyle Schwarber, he, you know, he had 190 something, but out of 345, you know, on base percentage. I mean, this guy you know, understands the zone. So you can't just be like, okay, I'm going to make them chase that first pitch. They won't swing at it. And, uh, and that's, what's really hard about them because, you know, you can't live in the zone. Uh, and if you don't live in the zone, you're going to, they're going to take their walks. I had an executive with another team tell me the other day when I was preparing a, a preview piece on this, he said, you know how rare it is that the best player uh, in this sport or one of the best players in the sport goes to that level on the biggest stage. And the comparison he made was with Michael Jordan. Like in Jordan in the play, you know, in the finals, you would see that. And we're actually seeing it not only with uh, with Bryce Harper, but Jordan Alvarez is doing the same thing on that side. Uh, yeah. What do you see in Harper? Just as a baseball player right now at age 31. <clears throat> yeah, he well, Harper, needs he needs no motivation. I mean, that's the thing about him. Like, he's able to... You know, he's able to dig down and and really want to live up to the to what he's had to deal with his whole life, right? I mean, he was hyped up from birth, basically. How many guys deliver on that in terms of, oh, wait a minute, you know, I have to now be all this, you know, maybe with LeBron James. I mean, there's a couple people, Kobe, I guess, that yeah. were teenagers and just kind of so, you know, he's in that category and and now he just kind of needs the rings, you know, that's that's sort of that, that last frontier. Uh, and, and you watch what happened to Orlando Arcia with the, the Brave series. Like, you know, Harper doesn't need motivation. He's going to find it too, by the way. Uh, you think of Deion Sanders, like every week he's looking for something to get his team fired up. So you just, you just don't want to give him anything and he'll find it. He's like, oh, a squirrel ran across and stepped on my shoes yesterday. I am now going to destroy the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like that, that's Harper. He's going to find something. And uh, and he he needs no introduction as well. So um, everybody's coming out and they're all wearing Harper jerseys, you know, Joel Embiid. And, <laughs> uh, so he's he's really the guy, you know, truly. you know, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I made the comparison to Jordan in, in the finals, but big picture, the better comparison is LeBron. And I'm trying to think, as you said that, like Tom Brady was not a thing when he was a teenager. 
Like he he turned yeah. out to be the you know the greatest quarterback of all time. But shoot, he was a six round draft pick, right? Uh, you think about the best right. players in other sports. It's very rare that you see someone at age fifteen, and then as time goes on, not only do they live up to the hype, but they begin to ascend past it. That's what LeBron did. I, I don't know too many examples in sport where that's happened. Well, it's it's rare. I mean, even if you are as good as like you know the hype, I mean, there's another level of like postseason play. You know, there's just like the the, the stage. Uh, you know, there's a lot of great players throughout any sport, but it's uh, it's watching someone elevate, and uh, and baseball is tough because you know you, you know to get the ring is a lot you know a lot of games, a lot of wins, and you depend on all these other teammates. But the Phillies could absolutely win this, and it's you know and Harper's clearly saying it's not, it, it, you know I'm going to make sure I give them everything they can to accomplish that goal. You know I'm not going to be the weak link, so to speak, and. Um, what do you do with this guy? You know, you you have to pitch to him. If you're in the zone, he's going to destroy you. So you're going to walk him. And I interviewed Tori Lavella before the game. And I was like, well, what do you do with Bryce Harper? He's like, well, you know, because first he's like, oh, you know, we got to attack. He attacked Zach Gallen used to kind of work the edges. And but now we got to attack. And then I asked him about Bryce Harper, except for Bryce Harper. We're not going <laughs> to. So and, it, you know, didn't work because, you know, he's attacking you. Um, it's It's something to watch that it's a. You know, you don't see a lot of baseball players where like all eyes are on this guy and and he's like delivering what you're hoping for. It's like he's writing his own script. Um, that's hard to do in baseball because you're you're so out of control of everything. Hit it hard, right at the shortstop. You know, pitchers make good pitches. The wind's blowing in. I mean, you, you're just at the mercy of so many other factors, which is what is so humbling about the game. And right now he's he's kind of transcending that. So you mentioned Kevin Long and the, uh, you know, the Phillies approach. I, I find it interesting that, you know, the two teams that are lead, leading the league championship series, the Phillies and the Rangers, to me are examples of it feels like that the players are all pulling together. The position players are all pulling together in a collective approach. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. They, yeah, anyway, I see you nodding your head as I'm saying that. You, yeah. you totally agree on the Phillies part for sure. Well, you know, I, I, well, I think context matters in the sense of like, go back to, I guess, my early playing days, you know, often you you had meetings, but generally you kind of figured out your own thing. And then you maybe went back to just random people like, oh, I happened to pass Mark Grace in the tunnel. Oh, we talked about it, but it wasn't like, here's a meeting. Here's how we all do this. Here's how there wasn't a lot of that. It wasn't strategized like that. It was very like, kind of individual. And then as the leadoff hitter, you go up down in the dugout after you strike out and you kind of say, oh, this is what the guy's got. But now it's strategic. The data's there. I mean, you know, you see the Phillies introductions yesterday and there was like 15 dudes, you know, and more going down handshaking and they're all like from the analytics department. (laughs) Just like, it's like, (laughs) what, what is it? They're all wearing like pullovers and, you know, so it's it's remarkable that you you know there's a, entire departments that didn't exist when I played, and I it's not like I was that long ago. Um, so they have the data and the information, and now you have to execute. Um, and it's all about execution, and that's what the Phillies also are doing well. It's fine to have the data, but if you don't do anything with it and don't have a good plan, they have mature hitters that that like Castellanos guys that like know how to take that and do something with it. Um, and so they're, they're gonna be tough to beat. I mean, I'm not counting the D backs out by any stretch, but 
um, the way they came out swinging was was like very off footing for the for the Diamondbacks. So I know you were working and preparing for your broadcast. So I don't know how much pitch to pitch you watch of the uh, the Astros and the Rangers game. I had two observations. One, Framber Valdez, right now, for whatever reason, he's not close to being the pitcher we've seen in the past in terms of the the quality of his two-seamer, his ability to command. Uh, and, and, you know, the Astros have so much experience. And you know that their players are not panicking, but their starting pitching is not close to what it was a year ago, in part because of Framber. Well, you know, look, that that's kind of the story of these division winners, right? Dodgers, uh, Braves. Right. You know, the, the rotations were – were problematic. They were all banged up. The Dodgers had four out of their five guys. So I was like, how exactly were they supposed to win? They, they didn't have any rotation. I know starters are not everything anymore, but it matters what the Phillies are doing. That shows you what a starter can do. He can set up your bullpen single-handedly set up your bullpen. And, and that's what, that's what Rob Thompson's doing right now. He's like, you know, like you watch how did the Braves end the series? They had to hit Rosario against the lefty and they had the pinch hit, Grissom, who hadn't played the whole time. That's how off-footed they were by the Phillies setting it up. And now Valdez, and I saw a good breakdown on him yesterday, is like, he's actually throwing hard. Like, he's got the velocity. He's, just, he's not getting the movement. You know, so, you know, he's actually, his velocity is up. So it's not that. It's just his release is, is more over the top. He's not getting that, like, turnover sink that he has. And and that that's that, that's how subtle it is in Major League Baseball. You're like a you're like an inch off, and you're getting destroyed. It's like Mariano Rivera. What one pitch his whole life, and which to me is like the greatest sports feats of all time. Major League hitters, I'm telling you what's coming for 23 years, and you still can't hit me. And I only have one pitch. So, but the thing is, when he was off by a couple inches, Miguel Cabrera put him in the street. Like that's how it is. And, and, like, that's the difference between, like, greatness and great performance and getting knocked all around the ballpark. And uh, and Valdez is, is just a little bit off. And that's all. And the, and the Rangers, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's like facing the Phillies, you know, you know, in terms of the way they come out punching. So you, you just can't be – you can't be that much off. Otherwise, you're going to give up a lot of runs. That one pitch Rivera threw, of course, was the cut fastball. And that's just in talking with evaluators around the sport. They wonder if Valdez is another example in baseball of someone who kind of loses his stuff because of the relying on the, on the cutter. That as he's thrown more cutters, he's lost the feel on his fastball, on that two-seamer that he had. Jim Abbott, you know, years ago was one of the first examples of that as the cutter became more uh, popularized. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, that's an adjustment for Valdez. It can't happen during the postseason. Like, that's got to happen no. in conversations during the course of the offseason. Um, and the other thing, too, that really jumped out at me about the game was the way that Bruce Bochy sat back and watched Nathan Abaldi pitch and just let him pitch through the trouble in the middle of that game. The Rangers get a lead. The Astros are pecking away at Evaldi, who clearly did not have his best stuff yesterday. And, you know, they get the base loaded, and, and Bochi trusts him. And I was thinking to myself, there were probably stats analysts all around the sport when Boch allowed uh, Evaldi to pitch to the uh, to the Astros third time through the order. Their heads were probably exploding. <laughs> but that's, a, you know, feel for the competitor. I mean, yeah, the, you know, like I mentioned the Phillies introductions, and there was like, you know, the assistant to the nuclear – you know, like, you know, celestial analytic. I mean, it was so many different titles and, and they have tremendous value because they give you great information, but then you have to apply it. 
And and that's the tough thing because you have to have a balance of the feel for the game in the moment. And, you know, there's no necessarily science to it, right? He's like, I can tell this guy's sore or he's stressing out his family issue, you know, the, all the things that go into just being human and, and that affects your performance. And Bochi, you know, he's had so many moments like that. You, you think about like Travis Ishikawa or what, all these playoff moments in the Giants that, you know, you wouldn't say like that was a quote right thing to do. Uh, but you know, he made the choice and look, and if it didn't work out, he would own that too. That that's just part of being a great manager. And, um, and right now, like Bochi coming out of retirement to be this good and this sharp is, is impressive. Like, you know, you think you'd be a little rusty or just like, but he just, you know, the guy is just amazing. He's such a good manager of people and, um, and lets people succeed and fail. Like lets you find out. And, and I think sometimes that trust is is a is a game changer for you because I don't care how great you are as a player, you're highly insecure because of just you're you're constantly getting that challenge and and you're failing in that. So I think Bochi showed a lot of confidence and uh, and, it, and it paid off and that's going to pay off by more than just getting that game two win. We got the news yesterday that Kim Ang has left her post as general manager of the Marlins. Uh, her contract was set to expire, and in meetings with Bruce Sherman, the team's owner, uh, she got word that they wanted to bring someone in to oversee baseball operations, so essentially a demotion. This is not unprecedented in baseball. We've seen this happen in the past. Ben Charrington was general manager of the Red Sox. They won a World Series, then they had a down year, and then ownership said, hey, we want to bring Dave Dombrowski and James Click last year. You know, the, the Astros win the World yep. Series. He gets an offer with his contract expiring of one year. And so he winds up leaving, just as Ben Charrington did. Kim walks away. I don't blame her. Like, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand, uh, you know, given the work that she did this year. And first off, even before this year, you know, uh, there was a mess within the organization because of, of people left over from Derek Jeter taking over the team. He brought yep. his people in. There was all kinds of infighting. Kim in her first year it was uncomfortable, but she sorted sorted through that. I think she made a great hire as manager of Skip Schumacher. He seems to be someone who's going to be doing that job for a long time. She makes the trades for the Marlins after this great surprising first half to go out and get, you know, Jake Berger and Josh Bell, and they wind up making the playoffs. I don't know how you land with the thought that, yeah, we got to come in. We need to demote this person. What was your reaction? Oh, it was like that. I mean, the sigh is just, I mean, Kim Ang is a pioneer. Kim Ang as, you know, she has literally endured every possible test under the sun to just get in the door. You know, I mean, you know, just start there. So, you know, she's a survivor. She's a battler. Um, you know, she's someone that, you know, is highly respected. I mean, Skip Schumacher, you know, we had him on our podcast. I mean, just, you know, just so much impact. And by the way, took a team that, you know, what, 69 wins into a playoff position. And then what you're going to, you know, go and have to oversee, you know, it's just, it's just a bad message. And I get it. And and the thing that's so unfortunate, I mean, I'm hoping to whatever, she ends up in Boston or somewhere, but it's like, what's so unfortunate about it is, you know, it's so it's risky for her to be able to go, Oh, well, all right, I got I'm just going to step out on these principles and just will the door open again? Like, that's the thing that's so ridiculous about it. Like, will the door open again? She has to take that kind of risk when there's all kind of dudes over the past that just like, 
you know, did a horrible job, by the way, and just got rehired, just like recycled. You know, it's like, you know, so that's what's disturbing about it. I'm, I'm just curious how it will end up. But, you know, she's she's sort of taking this risk that many others who were half, you know, mediocre were were able to be able to take this risk and then just to sort of fail upward, let's say. Um, so I think that's what's disturbing. You know, she's a baseball person, baseball lifer. And, yeah. and that's that's a person you cherish and and you preserve at all costs. Right. Because, you know, outside of the path that she just blazed herself. Um, that's something to be celebrated and shows her strength and metal. Um, and that's someone you want in the game to represent your game. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, and I mentioned the you know, analytics department, I was just saying dudes, but I'm using dudes like kind of literally and figuratively, like, you know, the game just needs to celebrate. It's all it's beautiful diversity and not, and, and, and not take it like it's, it's like a token, like someone that, you know, that actually has the pedigree and created it almost out of thin air because there was no path in front of her. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's highly uh, disconcerting. And, um, and if she's not in the game, that is, that's like baseball's fault. I mean, a hundred percent baseball's fault. So I, I hope she, you know, they, you know, she gets an opportunity and people recognize her, her value. And, um, and, you know, cause she shouldn't be sitting on any sidelines she should run, be running the sidelines as proven. So I, we're going to hear from Bruce Sherman. I think apparently he's going to do a press conference here in the next couple of days, and he'll give his stated reasons for wanting someone to oversee Kim. What I believe happened was is that Bruce paid a lot of money for the Marlins. It hasn't panned out the way that he wanted to. And one by one, the people that Derek brought into the organization have been picked off. They've been fired, so to speak. And I wonder if Kim uh, almost was uh, you know, held to account for stuff that Bruce was unhappy about with Derek. That's yeah, but why, okay. So, so my question then is why was it okay before when they were winning 69 games? Right. Right. Like why, why now? Like, and like I said, I, I don't know all the machinations and they'll explain it, but I think, you know, if nothing else, you could throw the word optics, right? Okay. It just doesn't. Yeah. It's like, no. And, and, and a lot of, look, a lot of teams have this like baseball ops, you know, or, or you could have someone that has both roles, right. You know, like those people who do both or, you know, they're GMs and, um, so I, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll listen to the explanation before I like totally conclude, but it's certainly, once again, you know, she had to navigate all these other, you know, handlers or whatever throughout and, and got out of it with a playoff, uh, appearance against all odds. And then that's when the oversight comes, you know, it just, it, you know, it, it doesn't look good. And then she made a choice on it because to her, it was more than it didn't look good. It just didn't play good. And, and she made a really tough choice. So, uh, and, you know, as we look forward to next year, it's interesting, one of the top free agents after the 2024 season is going to be Skip Schumacher. And who knows, maybe Kim will be with another team and, and hire him again, you know, because uh, he, as they say, he's already viewed as one of the, you know, the bright young managers in the sport. All right, Doug, thanks for doing this. Have fun on that call and definitely wear some hearing protection. Yeah, 112, man, 112. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. 
Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing great. So I need you to paint the picture for me as how you watch games. Because I know... Uh, you know, uh, there are definitely times and I'll be watching a game and I'll see a half inning and I'll go, you know, get something to drink, uh, you know, go, go take the dogs on a, you know, outside for a walk or something like that. And if, and if I had done that last night, I potentially would have missed all of the offense in that, uh, in the Philadelphia game, the best part of the game coming out of the gate. Tell me about you sort of like your process for watching that and what that was like to watch the Phillies in the bottom of the first. Well, I certainly don't get up during the games. Once the game starts, I'm in one place until that game is over. But, oh, my gosh, I mean, that Kyle Schwarber, 117.1 miles an hour off the bat, you just knew it would be a big ending. I was losing it over Bryce Harper doing the birthday thing, which I've been hoping for for so long from somebody are just a really exciting inning and so much happening as you said and you know the rangers game the other game went a bit longer and kind of towards the end with some bullpen moves and such so there were only about 15 minutes in between to hunger down and get ready for that game so i don't know if you noticed sarah abbott on the podcast today working uh, behind the scenes she's wearing a phillies cap sarah uh, how many times have you worn that Phillies cap this year as a lifelong Phillies fan? As a lifelong Phillies fan every day, obviously. Is that a trick question? <laughs> that hat looks new. <laughs> you know, because I treasure it and I keep it clean and keep it close to my heart. Yeah, Sarah, that, I mean, a better, Sarah Abbott, a, a better answer would have been like, I wore out the old hat. Like it just, uh, you know. <laughs> It was just broken through. It was falling apart, so I had to get a new one. Oh, that too. That too, (laughs) obviously. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. 
Number three is nine. So that's how many postseason starts Zach Wheeler has now made in his career. He is an 070 whip, microscopic. That is the lowest whip for any pitcher in nine starts, man, in postseason history. And it just so happens to be his first nine postseason starts. Next on the list, or the previous record, was Madison Bumgarner between 2012 and 2016 with an 073 whip. Which means, by the way, as someone pointed out to me, both of these pitchers were scouted by the Giants uh, scouting department in the end of the uh, 2000s. Number two. Number two is seven. So the Rangers have now won seven straight games to start the postseason. That is tied for the second longest win streak to start the postseason in MLB history. Now, of course, before we had all of these rounds, you couldn't win seven straight to start the postseason because you already would have won your World Series at Game 4, obviously. But even so, we've had a handful of rounds for a while now. Now, we did see the Astros do this last year. They also won seven straight before their first loss in the World Series to the Phillies. But the longest streak, so what the Rangers will be going for on Wednesday, is eight straight by those 2014 Royals. And I want to update something I talked about yesterday. Rangers have still trailed at the end of only one full inning. Wow. So that is the pure for any team through their first seven games of a single postseason. And next on the list is the Phillies, who have only trailed at the end of two. So before this year, the fewest innings trailed at the end of through seven games in the postseason was four by three teams. Now we have two teams that blew that away. Number one. Number one is we'll go with 31 for Bryce Harper's 31st birthday. So we had Evan Longoria and Mookie Best celebrating their birthdays office to each other during the NLDS last year in the um, wildcard series that we did on ESPN. With Sterling Marte celebrating his birthday in the postseason game against the Padres. There have been 105 guys, or I should say 105 instances, entering yesterday of a player having at least one played parent in the postseason game on their birthday. Prior to yesterday, only three guys had homered. Colton Wong in 2015 and Melon in 2013, and Willie Aikens, who we talked about last week, with two homers in 1980. Bryce Harper immediately had his first chance to do so. Join this list in the first inning last night. Very, very exciting. I love researching birthday stuff. So, so perfect. And how fun is it that, I mean, not for long ago, but that he did it with Evelyn Gora standing at third base. So two of the guys to do this in posting history in the same game. All right. So Bryce Harper and what he's doing in this postseason, 
He's building a case for one of the best postseason performances we've ever seen. Jordan Alvarez is doing that. It's crazy, his numbers. Um, I think you'd agree with me that you would never say someone had the greatest postseason ever if they don't play in the World Series. That's important that, uh, you know, that's part of that. Uh, Corey Seager is having a, a great postseason so far. Just ridiculous. First two rounds drawing 11 walks. That's nuts to me. Uh, in your mind, what's the greatest postseason performance of all time? Because I have one, and that would be Madison Baumgartner. Uh, 52 and a third innings of pitching in that 2014 Giants run, winning the wild card game to start it off, and then time after time after time taking the ball and wind up being on the mound at the very end of it, what was it, two days after he pitched against the Royals, he takes the ball in relief and takes the Giants across the finish line. For you, when you think about great postseason performances, Reggie Jackson would certainly be in that conversation, 1977, Christy Mathewson, back when Tim Kirchin was a, a, a cub reporter back in the 19 aughts, you know, had an amazing world series for you. What do you consider to be the greatest postseason performance that you've seen? I mean, or I do read about uh, that. I've seen it has to be Bob Garner. And again, I have a personal connection to that watching those games while I was in college and thinking my mother's, mental status and hoping she was okay and not freaking out all the way through each of those outings. So I'd say that, but when you were asking, I was thinking uh, offensive and for that, I didn't initially think of Reggie, uh, who of course just came up because he and Nick Castellanos are the only guys with five homers and they had three games fan in the postseason, which is wild. Nick Castellanos mm. and Reggie Jackson, I love it. But uh, those are ones I think of. I can't wait for one of the guys you mentioned to join that list. Yeah, if the Phillies go on to the World Series, Bryce Harper has a chance to be in that conversation, you know, for one of the great postseasons that we've ever seen with the way that he's performed, that's for sure. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. We're going to play a little sound here. We got Trevor May, who retired yesterday, I believe. And in his, uh, any, I guess he's on, he was on Twitch talking about his retirement. And he, uh, he rips the A's owner, John Fisher, tells him to sell the team. I have not listened to this. Sell the team, dude. I tried to get a sell shirt. It didn't get here fast enough. <laughs> sell it, man. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own, own something. There's actually people who give a about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else, dork. And also, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna just be a greedy, greedy, own it. There's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras. So that's one thing I really struggled with this year was not just eviscerating that guy. Do what you're gonna do, bro. You're you're whatever. You're a billionaire. They exist. You guys have all this power. You shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Reality is you got you got handed everything you have, and now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. Yeah, whatever. Oakland is Oakland. Uh, you can make all the cases. Oh, it's not a great city. Blah, 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 blah. But you're putting you're putting hundreds, if not thousands, of people out of work that have worked somewhere for decades, and you haven't acknowledged that at all. So, just be better. That's all we're asking. Just be a human being. 
Oh, well, so yeah. Trevor May dropping it right there as that video was playing. I was watching Sarah's face on fa- on uh, on um, on Zoom, and Sarah, your face just about melted. Shock with Trevor May being that blunt, bringing a hammer on the day he announces his retirement. Oh my gosh! The thing that stood out the most to me, and out of all the things he called him dork, was kind of like the sickest <laughs> bird to me. Like, you dork that one like whoa (laughs) yeah taylor i thought when i was structuring writing up the show this morning i thought you know what that might have been a mic drop thing like you know what that's all it feels like that's almost all we can say on today's show but you know what it's the postseason we got uh listeners watching the playoffs they've got some thoughts yeah yeah you're right we could just Call it a day, but we work hard over here at the Baseball Tonight podcast. We'll answer some questions. We got Corey Rukert at Corey R underscore 12 who writes in, who would have thought Wheeler would have the best long-term career from that original Mets staff of Harvey DeGrom and Syndergaard? Zach Wheeler might have. I, I will tell you, like, <laughs> Zach is really, Zach is a good guy. He's fun to talk to. I've always felt like this is understated competitor, uh, a guy who keeps that all wrapped up in this polite bubble. Nathan Avaldi is the same way, by the way. Like the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet, and then he gets out on the mound, and you just watch him, and he's like, I'm going to beat you. And that's the way Zach feels right now. As we talked about you know, earlier in, uh, or earlier in this uh, postseason, Zach right now is the best pitcher left standing. P.K. Steinberg has a question. I think I know which way you're going to go on this because you addressed it a little bit earlier in the pod. He writes, can we start talking about Evaldi's postseason appearances the same way we do Madison Bumgarner's? No. 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 Like Bumgarner was a once in a lifetime thing. Like that'll never happen again. There'll never be another pitcher given the opportunity to throw 52 and a third innings in one postseason. Think about that. That's a lot. Sorry, P.K. Uh, we got two more here. Two fan bases clamoring for Kim Eng. Uh, Demi Gammons Brown writes in Kim Eng to Boston. How about that idea, Buster? Yeah, so I'm hearing from sources. Yeah, they'll t- definitely talk about her. I wouldn't be surprised if they talk with her. Uh, I do think that she's going to get an opportunity to be a general manager again. You know, Buckshaw Walter, you know, uh, let go as manager by the Mets. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever get another chance to be a manager someplace. Kim Ang, I think, at age 54, absolutely is going to get another chance. Brian Roll at Baseball Brian 5 writes in, any chance the Yankees hire Kim Ang as their new GM and move Cashman up to president of baseball operations? It would be awesome to have her back in the organization. Nope. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I don't see that happening. So we've talked about Brian still, you know, this was year one of a new four-year contract. Uh, Hal Steinbrenner is not going to bring in somebody who's really expensive into that front office, I, I think, to uh, to basically take over baseball ops. All righty. There you have it. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter while you're watching the game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. That's it for today. My thanks to Doug Glanville, to Sarah Langs, Parker, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Woo. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he said, called him all those things. I know. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.